0: Um, this is the holiday time of year for a lot of people. Uh, and apparently, there are something like fourteen different holidays that happen around this time. Most of them are Christian, but uh, there's Zoroastrian, and of course, the solstice is Wiccan and pagan, and uh, Hanukkah, and. Buddha's Enlightenment Day comes on the 6th of January. We're going to celebrate with an all-night sitting, which is tradition. But there's so many different responses to this time of the year. Um, some people are just incredibly excited, and other people are just stressed out of their minds. You know. And there are other people who are just totally indifferent you know. um, who find the commercialism just overwhelming. But everybody has their own point of view, their own way of looking at things. And it's finding out what the deeper values are, I think, it's the important thing. All year round, but especially at this time of year. I have a little quote that I'd like to share. The most beautiful experience we can have is the mysterious. Some of you may recognize this. It is the fundamental emotion that stands as the cradle of true art and true science. Whoever does not know it and can no longer wonder, no longer marvel, is as good as dead, and his eyes are dimmed. That's that's Albert Einstein that said that. So, that mystery is an openness, I think. Um, It's stepping beyond making everything fit into the box of what we know and label. It's, It's allowing subtler and deeper impressions to come into our minds to appreciate the deeper values of the world around us. And the majority of people uh, live their lives according to what they've known already. And humans seem to be, I don't know about other animals, but humans seem to be really good at projecting values onto things, Um, and all those values that we hold dear, or that we don't like even, come from our experiences that we've had so far, whether direct or somebody's told us about something. And we we judge the world that way, according to those experiences. I've said before, I think it's the forces and Patriarch who was asked um, how one becomes enlightened, and he said it's really easy, you just give up opinions. (laughs) But all the opinions come from this model we have of the world, so we're not really experiencing directly. We don't see the people around us for who they really are. There's a fellow that I know who's from Serbia and he has certain attitudes towards life. But he had a good friend that he'd known from the age of two all the way up till he was in his thirties. And the friend um, wasn't there for him one day when he lost his job. Uh, the fact that his mother had just died and he was grieving with his family didn't seem to count. Uh, this fellow just felt that he'd been betrayed and that he could never trust him again as a friend. And no matter what the fellow did or said to help get past that, it, wouldn't, it would, didn't make any impression. Because the model of what he thought the friend should be was so rigid. And that word should, if, if you ever catch yourself using it, it's because your model isn't matching the world out there. Or the world isn't matching your model. Right? So it should be like this, or it shouldn't be like that. And, and that's a really good indication that you need to step back and step out of it and and appreciate something that, that might be there that you don't see because if you if you put a filter up about what you've known in the past then you limit the experience of what's in front of you right? you you only well there people that that get really upset at somebody else because they shouldn't behave like that. Or they should have done X, Y, Z. But that whole person is there. All the different levels and complexities, the the whole range of possibilities of that being is there in front of them. And yet all they think is is the thing that's upsetting. And that's what they take away and they store that in the mind model. So anytime that they think of that person, it's that issue that's the dominant part of the experience. And that's all they get to know. And by holding on to that, they don't allow the relationship to change. So every time they come into contact with that person, they're reacting the way they did in that one experience that was so upsetting. I mean, that's not always the case. Some, some people are just jerks. but. <laughs> Um, The possibilities of change are with us, no matter what we are, no matter what we do. And all the different experiences that we can have um, come from this, this field of infinite potential, which is our Buddha nature, pure consciousness, pure awareness. And to me it's interesting, and and I think this is so, that it doesn't matter what religion or tradition a person follows, enlightenment's exactly the same thing. The different traditions simply provide different ways of getting there, or of realizing where you are, are already. But a person who's enlightened, doesn't see differences. They experience, the pure awareness is the foundation of everything, and everything is just an enlivenment of that pure experience. Right? And if you, if you think about it that way, we all have nervous systems and they allow us certain kinds of experiences. And those experiences are enlivening the field of consciousness, which has no boundaries, it's universal. Right? So if, if you go to, I don't know, a, a baseball game, or a hockey game, and, and your team wins, uh, the, the Stanley Cup, well maybe not Toronto, but <laughs> if your team wins, then everybody there is totally excited. And, and that excitation is enlivening everyone's consciousness at the same time. I mean, even if you go to a movie, it's different seeing a movie in a theater than it is when you're in your living room watching the the TV. Because you have all those other people going through the same emotions or similar emotions at the same time you are. So there's resonance, and it makes it stronger. So just think for a second, There, there are 8 billion people on the planet probably going to be nine by the end of the decade. And everything that every individual does is impacting the whole. And so we're, we're in a situation where we can be really upset about whatever's happening. We um, can be upset about what's happening with Donald Trump. Some people are. Um, and, and what's happening in Syria, and what's happening in, in the Philippines, and, and just all over the place. There's lots we can focus on and be afraid. But fear constricts the awareness to the form of the threat. And so that becomes the biggest and most important thing in the whole world. And we react, as so though it is. And we've lost our, our perspective. Um, everything changes. Who knows how long Donald Trump will be the leader of the great nation to the south? Um, and, and in the, in the bigger perspective, perhaps it doesn't even matter, right? Because things change. And where we are in our lives, where we are in our own awareness, is is the most important thing. It was another little thing that I wanted to. Yeah, it's it's a little quote about compassion. Um, Patricia Anderson said this. When there isn't enough compassion being generated either for ourselves, as individuals, or for others, or for the world in general, without compassion we become unbalanced. We suffer from it as we would from a lack of fresh air or clean water. And, and that, that seems to be what's the prevailing thing now. Everybody's judging everybody, right? From their tiny mind models, the ones that we carry around inside us, uh, a little program in the computer. And we're, we're seeing the world through that. And we're not appreciating what's really here. We don't appreciate each other. We don't appreciate the birds and bees and animals uh, or the planet. Everybody wants to get what they feel they need according to their model. And corporate executives, they have their agenda. Uh, People on the assembly line have their agendas. Farmers have their agendas. Mothers who are full-time mothers have their agendas. That like just goes on and on and on. And when it's all put together, we have a planet that's moving in a particular direction. I don't know if anybody's noticed ever going across the border to the States. But I remember once, a long time ago, driving south from Vancouver, to going to Seattle. And there were no signs. But there was just a change in the feeling. It was dramatic. And my, my wife said, what the was that? Right? <laughs> and I said, welcome to America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that's, that's the conglomerate experience put together of all the people. That, that create that, that energy. It was uh, a time Well, actually it was that same trip. We were going down to Arcadia, California and we had a house there and um, we had gone to a movie and in the movie these two kids had been Abandoned out in the outback in Australia, and they were going to perish of thirst and everything else. And this uh, Aborigine young man came along, and he was on a walkabout. That was the name of the movie, actually, walkabout. And he sort of took them under his wing. Didn't really want to because it was supposed to be a personal journey, but he did. And he dug in some sand and exactly where there was water, and so they got something to drink and he showed them how to survive in, in the desert. And we both felt that that was a really profound experience, watching that movie, and so we were sort of hyper aware of, of everything as we were walking home, and it was, the trees were beautiful and you know, the, everything was lovely. And as we approached the house, there was a laneway beside the house. And I saw something on the, on the ground in the laneway on the road. And I couldn't figure out what it was, because I'd never seen anything like that before, and I uh, walked down the lane a bit, and it was this big circle. And the, it was a wheel, actually, about 10 feet in diameter, 10 feet yeah. across, three meters. And, and <coughs> the, the outer rim was probably four or five inches. I still think, inches. Um, The spokes of the wheel, and and they were raised, and so was the rim. um, Were probably two or three inches, and then the hub was this mound in the center, dead center of this circle, and it was slugs. Now, I've I've never been really, I've never found slugs to be cuddly things. And it just never appealed to me. But these these were slugs. And they were all about, I don't know, eight inches long, maybe more. Big, big things. And there were slugs working their way towards the wheel from our backyard and the neighbor's backyard and some were coming down the alley. And I hadn't noticed before, but they were they were coming up the alley that I went up, like the way the bike came. And they would enter the wheel and at the same time, other slugs were leaving it. Right. And then the slugs would sort of slip and slide over each other all the way around, and I, I, I couldn't follow any of them, they all looked the same to me, but they seemed to be going around this wheel. And then some would go up the spokes and others would come back down and they'd get involved in this big thing in the middle, and it was just incredible. And <coughs> I I went and I got a, uh, some chairs and I I put the chairs at the where the entrance was to the laneway and I got our wheelbarrow and took it down to the other end so a car couldn't come through and squash them all and then we sat down on the ground and, the, the, and, and watched them for like four hours it was just mesmerizing and it, it was. Like a, med- a very profound meditation, sometimes it was just totally internal, but, but just watching these little intelligences do this thing. And <clears throat> I mean, I can, I can see, you know, saying, Janie, you stand here, and Joe, you stand here, and beside him, you know, Mary, you stand and, and make a circle. But, but these things were constant in constant motion. And they maintained it, it was just it was perfect. As though there was a pattern that you know they were walking on, or, or what I don't know what they do what what do slugs do? they slime along <laughs> slither oh that's more snakes but but they were they were maintaining that pattern for the whole four hours that we were watching, and then the fog rolled in from the ocean and, and it got really cold and wet, and we went inside and in the morning when we came out, there was not a trace that that had ever happened but it was, it was like awe and wonder. It was like Einstein, you know, it's it just, it's way bigger than anything that I could grasp. So it was beyond my mind model. I mean, I, I've seen videos of, of slugs mating, and usually there's only two involved, right? Where they make little circles and go for hours and hours, you know, head to tail, going round and round and round, or hanging from a, a strand of whatever it is that they do. Um, I've seen that, but nothing like this. And I've i talked to zoologists, and I've i you know searched the internet to see if I could find anything. Nothing. So what the heck was that? And and my wife clearly saw it too. So it wasn't maybe it was mass hallucination, but uh, it, was, it was to us it was incredibly real. But but. I mean the reason I'm saying that is that the times that we can step out of this this very confined restrictive model that we have of the world we get to experience something different. And and our true nature is that something different. Because we live it, it's there with us all the time, (coughs) excuse me, but we're we're focused on all the little bits and pieces of our experience. And and so when we meditate, when we go inside we're we're getting the opportunity to just let go for a little bit and then come back. And our bodies react to that. Uh, We'll have very, very uh, restful periods restful alertness, unless we go to sleep, of course. But, uh, when we're meditating, it'll be, be like a restful alertness. No matter what we're focusing on, and the body settles right down. And in doing that, the body enlightens the nervous system to be able to support that subtlest activity. So we're developing a whole range of experience. Every time we meditate, we're, we're working on it. Until we can have that whole range from the greatest vibration to the very finest to just the field itself which is Buddha Nature.